Destination Morocco is excited to announce our new supporters platform where you can show your support for the podcast. Since early 2022, we have delighted in sharing with you the best of Morocco. Great travel advice, cultural insights, conversations with fellow travelers, and our own personal recommendations drawn from a lifetime of experiences. After all, we are proudly Moroccan-owned and operated with the mission to be genuine and trustworthy leaders in Moroccan tourism. Now, you can contribute directly to the podcast and help us continue this mission. Whether five, eight, or ten dollars, a one-time or a monthly commitment, your support is greatly appreciated and keeps the podcast going strong. Follow the link in the podcast show notes or go to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com and simply search for the word Morocco. See you there. Marrakesh is a beautiful, historical, and exotic city. Traveling through the alleyways of Marrakesh can truly be fascinating. The vibrant, colorful city has long been an inspiration to creative souls from around the world. This city has called to Bohemians, artists, and wanderers for generations, and it continues to do so today. Welcome to the Destination Morocco podcast, the show that takes you away to the beautiful country of Morocco. I am your host, Azadeen El Mustakim. In each episode, we explore Moroccan culture, history, attractions, and activities. Real and practical information coming from experienced travelers and native Moroccans like myself. Our goal is to help travelers that are struggling with planning any type of trip to Morocco. Our company, Destination Morocco, builds personalized tour packages that will ensure you enjoy our country just like a local. Follow us at destinationmorocco.co. And now, let's go exploring. In today's episode, we'll be talking about scams in Morocco and especially in Marrakesh, and how to avoid them. Morocco has the most UNESCO World Heritage Sites in Africa. Jamalifna Square, a.k.a. the Square, is one of those sites. And that's where most of these scams happen in Marrakesh. Now that Morocco is preparing to open its borders, on February 7th, we are beyond excited to welcome back all tourists from all walks of life. But at the same time, we want you to travel with confidence, travel smart, and most importantly, travel safe. In our last episode, we talked with Yusuf Haroubi, who lives and breeds the markets of Marrakesh. The sights, the sounds, the smell, the brief history of Morocco. If you have not listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you do so. Like any other popular city, Marrakesh has its fair share of scams. I know scams are among the primary concerns for travelers visiting Marrakesh, especially solo travelers, female travelers, and first-time travelers to Morocco. One of the things that I recommend doing even before going to Morocco is prepare yourself 
and do this. When you're at the airport in New York or Washington, D.C., have some money exchange from the U.S. dollar to the Moroccan dirhams, even though in the U.S. you are allowed to take up to $10,000 while you're traveling overseas, I would not recommend you do this. Instead, take a couple thousand dollars for emergency and use ATM machines while in Morocco instead. Because the exchange rate is cheapest versus converting your money in Morocco and also it minimizes the chance of you being scammed out of your money. Keep in mind, some ATM machines will let you withdraw about 2,000 dirhams to 3,000 dirhams. That's approximately 200 to $300 daily. Also, during the weekend, the ATM machines might run out of money quick. So in case if you need to use one on the weekend, just do it at early morning. Also, if you have booked your trip with a tour company, then most likely you have prepared for most of your expenses and it won't seem like a hassle for you to go through this process. Doing this will help you prevent many scams and save you a lot of money. This is going to be kind of, it might get a little bit confusing, but trust me, it's worth going through this process. It's going to save you a lot of headache. So if you look at the dollar bills, the US dollar bills, they are the same color. In Morocco, it's different. They are color coded. The equivalent, for example, to a $20 bill, US dollar bill is 200 dirhams, and that's the blue color. This you want to stay away from this bit right here. Don't carry as much of it as you can because it's going to attract the wrong attention. The next one is the $10 bill and it is equivalent to 100 dirhams and it's a brown color. It's okay to carry many of these. It's not an issue for the most part. It'll be good. The equivalent to a $5 bill is 50 dirhams and that's the green color. And the equivalent to $2 bill is 20 dirhams, and that's the red color. In terms of coins, you have 10 dirhams, 5 dirhams, and a smaller change. Coins and smaller bills are your best friend, especially the 20 dirhams. Also, you do not attract the wrong people anywhere you go. These are just approximate exchange numbers to give you an idea where you stand while you're using Moroccan currency. The reason why I'm going in details about this, because you must avoid carrying large bills, especially the 200 dirhams. What I normally do inside my left pocket, I'll have the coins plus few 20 dirhams, the red color bills. Then in the other pocket, I'll have the paper money, you know, mainly the 50 dirhams and the 100 dirhams, the green and brown color. And also I use an app, which I really find extremely helpful. And the one that I use is called Globe Convert. This will help you also avoid a lot of scams. Now, once you get to the airport in Morocco, you also want to go to the exchange office and get the smaller bills, mainly the 20 dirhams and the 50 dirhams and a lot of coins, example, 10 dirhams and 5 dirhams if they have them available, because th th those are the ones that you're going to use most of the time dealing, you know, markets and shopping and, and buying stuff. So while you're at the airport, there are a lot of scams to watch out for. One of them is the airport scam. Sometimes when you come in, just arrive to the airport, you get your luggage and you go into the customs 
and they may ask you, hey, excuse me, can I, you know, search your luggage? Are you going to say, of course, then they do normally, it's two, two men or two people standing by a long table with a cloth on top of it. So one of them will get or take your passport and walk away from the other person. And basically you're going to follow the one with the passport because he's going to ask you a few questions. And what you're doing is you're leaving your luggage unattended and you're not paying attention to it. So the first person who has your luggage will open it, start looking through and then start throwing stuff under the table without you paying attention to it. Then they'll close your luggage, you get your passport, you get your bags, and you're not going to notice what just happened until you get to your destination. So watch out for this when you're arriving to the airport. Now, when you're departing the airport, it's almost similar in a reverse way. When you get to the airport and you have your luggage and you're about to turn your luggage, they'll say, hey, would it be okay for me to search your luggage? And of course, you're going to say, yes, of course. And they're going to say to you, are you sure you want me to search your luggage? Yeah, yeah, please go ahead. Just go ahead and do it. I'll wait. Say, hey, you know, if I search your luggage and I find something, we may have some issues. Basically, he's giving you signals and you're not really reading his body language. So what he's saying is just tip me, you know, whatever you want to call it, bribe me or whatever. And you go your way and, and I go my way, basically. So he doesn't really want to open your luggage, but he's just saying those things for you to get the hint and give him some money. And to get out of that situation, normally I'll just, you know, just give him 20 dirhams again, that, that red bill. But I give it to him in a way that is kind of discreet. Nobody sees it. And then watch out. So you go your way when you're leaving Morocco. Then what you did not see is that he talked to his friend behind you at some point, you know, letting him know, hey, you know, I just got paid. You need to get paid too. So a police officer or whatever will pass by you. And this is how it's done. And they'll greet you. Hey, how are you? Then again, a few minutes, they'll pass by you. So they become kind of familiar to you. Then they'll stop by you a third time or a second time and they'll say, hey, you need anything? And then I say, no, no, I'm, I'm good, officer. Have you filled out that paper that you need? Uh, what paper? I don't know. Oh, you need to fill out a piece of paper before you depart. And he'll bring you the paper. And they'll say, well, I don't have a pen. He's like, well, I actually have a pen, but I really need to go get some coffee. That's another signal. He just take care of me. Just, you know, give me whatever you can. And what I normally do, the same thing. Just, you know, you got to give him that red bill, the 20 dirhams. That will take you, get you out of that situation. Now, also what you're not paying attention is he's going to signal a third gentleman who's waiting for you at the customer window to stamp your passport. So when you get to that window, he'll just make up a story like, you know, there's a problem with your passport. There's a problem with the time you entered Morocco or the date or something. And it's a big issue and we need to fix it. And when that happens to you, it's like, hey, I don't want to have any problems. What do I need to do? And then basically the same thing. So these three scams departing the airport are extremely common. The same thing when you're arriving. So just pay attention very, very closely. So now we'll go back to you arriving to Morocco. And then now you get your luggage. And there's a scenario that if you need to get a rental car. So when you need a rental car, keep in mind, you already paid for everything for your rental car, whether you're using Avis, Enterprise, or Hertz. So you go to the counter, then the person in that counter will say, hey, I have all your documents, all your paperwork, but I just need you to pay for this insurance. 
Then you tell them, no, 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 I already paid. It's like, no, that insurance you paid for is different. This one is for here. And basically, they'll just scam you out of that money if you paid it. I, I always refuse to pay it. Also take pictures of the car when you go to the parking lot and pick it up just in case they don't go back and charge you for damages. Now, another scenario, you get to the airport and you have a little bit more luggage that you can handle just by yourself and you need some help. Normally, you would look for a luggage cart. You look around, you don't see any. And then what do you do? You look a little bit farther. Then you see some people with luggage carts. Then you go to them and say, hey, uh, can I use one of those? The gentleman will say to you, I actually using it for work. Can I help you, sir? Can I help you, ma'am? I'm going to say, of course, helping with luggage. And I need to go outside and take a cab. So they will help you, but you have to ask how much first. Because they'll throw a higher number at you and they're going to see if you're going to take it or not. If you take it, you probably have been scammed. Otherwise, just negotiate. Taking your luggage from inside the airport to outside the airport really should not cost you more than 20 dirhams. Again, the red bill. And that's the way that I do it. Now, if you're going to take a cab, there's two things to do it. Well, inside the airport, there's a board that says what the fares are to different locations in town. And then also outside in the parking lot where the cab stands are, you'll see the same thing. The fares, then they'll have a two-digit number. It says taxi police, and it's a specific police for taxis only. So this is if you're going to take a cab. But I will also recommend even before taking the cab or stepping outside the airport, I would highly recommend you get in a local SIM card for your phone. And this is extremely important because by the time you leave the airport, you're ready for everything. So normally there's three or four actually companies that you can use. The one that I would recommend, and it's the national one, it's called Salat Al-Maghrib. I will have the information, the link on the show notes, but that's the one. Uh, the logo, it's kind of blue and yellow, and it looks like it's a, a postal office, Salat Al-Maghrib. So that's the one that I use. And normally I would ask for a package. They have packages. I'll ask for the package that allows you international calls, and also it gives you uh, 4G internet access. The cards are prepaid, and there's one for you know 20 dirhams, 50 dirhams, 100 dirhams. I would buy 100 dirhams. That should be more than enough for you for your trip, depending, well, depending on how much you're staying. If you're staying for a week, two weeks, you're still good. But if it expires or if it runs out, you can go back and recharge it. And that's the best way to do it. I would not recommend doing anything less than 50 dirhams to 100 dirhams. So now, when you see that number for the taxi police, just dial it and keep it on your phone because you might need it outside. So when you go outside and you're trying to get a cab and you can see that, you know, from the airport going to your destination, it should be about 100 dirhams, the equivalent to a $10 bill. Now you go to the first taxi in line and say, hey, uh, can you take me to this? And he'll say, of course, it's going to be 100 dollars the equivalent to a thousand dirhams or throw a number at you and basically it's going to be way 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 higher than the 10 bucks or the 100 dirhams the true rate for that transfer you argue with him you negotiate for the next five six seven minutes he's not budging and you know what you say to yourself i'm gonna go to the next one 
So you go to the next cabin line and guess what? The same thing happens. Three to four minutes in the conversation, he's not going to take you. He's going to tell you, I'm not in line. It's going to be that first person. And if I'm going to take you, it's going to be the same rate, $100, which is the equivalent to 1,000 dirhams. Now you go to the third taxi and the same thing. Basically, they are really, you know, just teaming up against you because they know you're a tourist, you're a foreigner, you don't know nobody. The city is new, everything is new to you. So in most cases, people, they just want to, they just want to go. So they'll pay the money and go. So normally what I would do in this case, I'll show them that number that I just dialed inside the airport and dial it. That's going to scare them a little bit. Now, if you agree to whatever price he says, that's fine. Take a picture of the taxi number, which is on the side of the taxi, and then go inside. So whenever he drops you off, if it's, you know, your Riyadh, your hotel, I'll do the same thing. And before, when I'm inside the vehicle, what I do, I sit in the front seat next to the driver. I don't sit in the back. I sit on the passenger side. Then on the dashboard of the car, you're going to see some numbers. You're going to see his ID, picture ID, his name, his information, his badge number. And I take pictures of those. So now, by the time he drops me off, it's time for me to pay. Do not. I mean, do not pay before you get to your hotel or a yard. So as soon as I get my luggage, I'm going to dial again that police number just to give him a little bit of a hard time. Now he's scared. Now people are noticing what he's doing. He's trying to scam me. And now people are going to come and they're going to tell him, hey, stop doing that. Whether the police shows up or not, but the, the most important, you're not going to pay that high rate that he said for you in the beginning to pay. And unfortunately, that's the way that I would handle it. And the thing is, this happens to me too. I mean, uh, I've been in this situation. For us, the locals, the issue with taxis, especially when we come at the airport, they just, they don't want to pick us up. They don't want to take us. They're always looking for tourists. They're always looking for foreigners because they know they can make a lot more money with them than with us. And the funny thing, one of the taxis that happened to me is actually my neighbor. But the issue is he did not recognize me. I gained a lot of weight. He did not know who I was. We're neighbors. And that was the funny part. So this is one of the scams at the taxi airport. Now, the taxis, there's tons and tons and tons of scams. But we're just going to touch base with some of them and the best way to handle them. In Morocco, there are two different types of taxis in each city you go. Casablanca, Rabat, Marrakesh, Fez, Sawira, and they are all color-coded. The smaller taxis are color-coded, and the big taxis are color-coded. The big taxis, they can hold up to six passengers, two in the front seat, four in the back seat. And most likely, you're not going to need these, and you're not going to use them at all during your trip. However, the small taxis, probably you're going to use the most. And they can hold up to three passengers. The scams to look for, for example, is the mirror is broke. Escape to the exotic beauty of Morocco with our exclusive small group tours. Experience intimate group sizes that ensure personalized attention and unforgettable adventures. From the enchanting streets of Marrakesh, to the serene beauty of the Sahara Desert. Forge friendships that last a lifetime while immersing yourself 
in Morocco's rich culture, vibrant traditions, and warm hospitality. Book your small group tour with Destination Morocco today. Experience the intimacy of a private tour at an affordable price. Go to our website, destinationsmorocco.com, that's destinations with an S, morocco.com, and reserve your spot today. The mirror is never broke, but they just want to scam you a little bit, you know, a couple of dollars here, a few dollars there. That's it. The mirror is not broke. So what I would do with the taxis, when I get to my hotel, I always ask, hey, how much would it cost me if I'm going to this destination? So you know ahead how much it's going to cost you. If it's 20 dirhams, if it's 30 dirhams. And in Marrakesh, really, most fares should be less than 100 dirhams. 100 dirham is a really long distance trip. So just in case if somebody is telling you it's going to be 100 dirhams, which is the equivalent to $10, you know that's a scam. If you find somebody that he's good and honest, just ask for his phone number and say, hey, can I have your phone number? Can I call you when I need you? Of course, he's going to say yes, of course. And it's okay to pay him an additional $2, an additional $3, because of his service and his accessibility and availability in his network. And he also will tell you that I drive this taxi between, for example, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then my partner drives it from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Would it be okay for me if I'm not available to send him your way? He'll take care of you just as good as I am. And in that case, just say yes. This is exactly what I do. Now, dealing with taxis, the scams, there's always something happening. You know, this if it's just They'll tell you, yes, I'll use the meter and you get in and guess what? To your destination, it should be about 70 dirhams, but they're looping around the city, taking you to the wrong neighborhoods, back and forth and back and forth. By the time you get to your destination, it's past $100. So you think of a way to overcome their scam, they'll think of something else in return and scam you no matter what. So the best way to do to avoid all types of taxi scams is get somebody's number and use that person throughout your stay. This is if you're going to use a taxi in Morocco. So one of the scams that is really popular, especially in the square, if you walk in, let's say you're, you're walking in the square of Jamal Fana, you'll see a lot of people, you know, selling you belts. That's another opportunity for scams. Selling you sun, you know, sunglasses. That's another opportunity for scams. One of the major ones is you'll see signs you know, excursions, tours, three-day tours, $150. Go to the desert and from the desert, go to fast. Four days, you know, $200. Be careful. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And what happens basically, you'll meet one of those guys in the square and, you know, they'll put you in an old beat-up van and it's just not you. It's you and seven other guys or eight or nine and then they drive you off. In your mind, you're going to the desert. You're going to Merzuga. It's fun. It's nice. You drove off Marrakesh. Then you see the scenery changes. The weather, it's a little bit cooler. The mountains, the scenery is beautiful, beautiful. Then you stop at, you know, in the middle of the Mount Atlas Mountains for your nice lunch. You enjoy it. It's fun. It's really, really good. Then you keep going. You visit Eid bin Haddo. Oh, wow, this is a this is amazing. You feel like you're in, you know, the Game of Thrones or, you know, you're looking for Maximus. By the way, he's not there. So, and then it's time for you to go to your next station where you're going to spend the night. And most likely it's going to be 
the Dad's Valley. It's the closest point to the desert. So you have your nice dinner. It's not bad. It's going to be decent. But then it's time for you to check in and go to your room. Little that you know, once you get to your room, all people that were with you in that minibus or that van, now they are your roommates. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a major problem. That's something I cannot handle. Now, you're stuck in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night. And who's going to get you out of that mess? It does get messy. So the way to avoid those scams, do not go in any of those excursions that you see. In some of your hotels, they will offer you those tours as well. So just be careful. Do your homework, do your research, and go for it. One of the other scams that you're going to see in Jamaatna Square, and it's, it's kind of innocent, really, but not innocent, which is the Dahana tattoo ladies or lady. Be careful. You'll pass by them. You'll see them kind of sitting on a smaller kind of a chair with, you know, some designs of henna, some needles, you know, with stuff inside of them, kind of greenish, blackish. Just be careful. Don't make eye contact because if they see you and you're making eye, ta- eye contact and you're just becoming, you know, being yourself and smiling, she's going to get up. Run, run for the hills. I'm telling you, she will follow you. She will skirt you with that needle and you may get into an argument with her. Eventually, you have to pay something. It'll cost you something. Just walk away. Just walk away. That's what I would do. I will watch those Hannah ladies from a distance and will not go any closer to them. Now, the other thing that you're going to notice in Jamath now is what we call the snake charmers. The snake charmers, you know, they just basically, they have few snakes. They're a group of three, maybe two, four men. They have their, you know, snakes and they're singing to them and they start dancing and all that stuff. And it's kind of fun, you know, watching from a distance, but don't get any close because the minute you get any closer, they see you, they know you're a foreigner, they read your body language. And again, I want to emphasize a lot on body language, your body language and their body language. They will read your body language and do the same, read their body language. It's going to help you not just in this scam, but in a lot of other scams and in communication, silent communication. And there's a lot of it in Morocco, you know, staring sizing you up, negotiating and stuff like that. So body language is very crucial. And the snake charmers, they know exactly what they're doing. So the minute they see you smile, and again, avoid that smile, avoid that eye contact. You can watch, you know, from a distance in the back. You don't have to be in the front. They're not going to see you if you're in the back. So they're not going to really target you unless you step up in front of them. So that's what I would recommend. If you go in with your friends, girlfriend, wife, and they put that snake on your, you know, on your neck, on your back, on your shoulder, and everybody's laughing, yeah, it's fun for them, maybe not for you, but getting out of that situation will definitely cost you some money. And they'll ask you for some outrageous prices. So just be careful. Again, if you're going to get out of the situation, stay in the back. No eye contact. Nobody language that says that you're welcoming them into your space. That's what I would do. Now, if you find yourself in this situation and somehow that thing got on your shoulder, back, your neck, again, 20 dirhams will get you out of that situation. Of course, they're going to ask for more, but that's the most you give them, 20 dirhams. Another thing that is really, really common in Morocco, you see 
that there's a lot of the monkey charmers, the monkeys. And it's extremely, it's a copy paste of the snake charmers. Just at any cost, do not have that monkey on your neck or shoulder. They will ask you to pay and it will cost you. Again, the same thing. Uh, it's fun to see those monkeys play and have a good time with, you know, with the audience and all that stuff. But stay in the back. If you need to take pictures, do them with caution because they may come to you and say, hey, you know, just pay us a little bit of money. And again, just pay something, you know, 10 dirhams, 20 dirhams, it's okay. And if you want to even step in front and take pictures and videos, do the same. 20 dirhams will get you out of that situation. So one thing that you're going to notice once you get to the square is what we call halqa. In plural is halqat. Halqa means a gathering. Halqat means gatherings. And basically, there's a gathering for snakes, charmers, for monkey charmers, for people telling jokes, for people, you know, for anything really. I mean, there's dozen and dozen and dozen of those halqat, which is gatherings. Some are for games, some are for, you know, all type of things. So you can watch by just being in the back and see what's going on. And that way, nobody's paying attention to you. Nobody's going to ask you for anything to pay and stuff like that. So the other thing that I would pay attention to is the orange juice stalls. You know, Morocco is very famous for its orange juice and the freshness of it and the taste. So Marrakesh, it's really, really popular when it comes to orange juice, especially the square. You pass by one, most likely they're going to pull you to get some juice. Just to taste, just this and just that. If you do, I promise you, you have been scammed. And whatever the juice you have just drunk, it's not 100% orange juice. Most likely it's watered down. It's mixed with water. It's still not a bad thing, but it's just the effect of taking advantage of you. So that's, that's what makes it really kind of, you know, a silly scam. The other thing that I would talk about is in the square nighttime you'll see a lot of dining and food stalls and the street food and it's the smell is amazing the taste is incredible actually the taste and the quality of the food has changed dramatically for the last decade in, in a way it, it really did get so much better now what i would recommend when you go and you want to eat the street food in, in the square do this walk around the stalls see which one has the most locals. They're all going to be kind of mixed locals and tourists, but see which one has the most locals. And that's the one that I sit and get, you know, whatever I want to eat. And also see if you can talk to one person, get his name. That way you become kind of friends. When you do, it's going to be really kind of hard for him to scam you or overcharge you for things or charge you for things you did not even order. When sellers give you a price, ask them. Is it in dirhams? Is it in euros or US dollars? And always check your receipt to avoid paying. Always check your receipts and avoid paying with a credit card as much as you can. So that's the way that I do it because I know just before COVID, I know a couple from England, they just sat, they had dinner and uh, what they were about to pay, they were handed a bill. It was a $500 bill. So what they did is they took the receipt. Of course, they paid. They took the receipt and just a few feet away, few, maybe 20, 30, 50 meters away, there's the police station, which is the, the largest in, in Marrakesh. That's the headquarters. They went inside and they said, hey, you know, this is what happened. So the cops got involved. And the, basically what happens, that gentleman, they will revoke his permit. 
the cops got involved, so they walked to the same place. And um, in this case, normally what happens, the license or the permit for that place will be revoked and he will have to pay a fine, refund their money, and probably spend some time in jail. So it's a pretty big deal for people to scam tourists, especially this way. Uh, it's just, it's unacceptable. And it gives a bad rap about all of us. So we're trying to give a good image about Morocco and people visiting Morocco. And these, they tend to kind of affect what we're trying to do. Now, all these scams that we have talked about so far are very common. Some of them are just, you know, silly. But there are other scams that are more elaborate. And they involve more than one person. Just like the taxi one at the airport. They involve fake tour guides. And sometimes a fake tour guide is working by himself. Sometimes he has accomplices and a team that works beyond them. Also, one of the things that you need to learn about the tourism culture in Morocco. When you have a restaurant, when you have a bazaar, when you have a store, whatever you're selling, if I'm a tour guide and I'm bringing a customer to you, it is customary for you to give me kickback or a commission for the customer. Whatever they're buying, I get something. And those are the bases and the reasons why these scams are happening nowadays and they're getting more and more elaborate and more and more dangerous. And we're going to talk about a few scenarios with fake tour guides. Scenario number one, for example, if you look at the Kutubia Mosque, which is right next to the square, and it's one of the most famous historical sites in Marrakesh. It's one of the must-see on your visit to Marrakesh. This scam is carried out by a fake tour guide, and this is how it's done. The tour guide will engage in a conversation with tourists passing by. They're just passing. He's, he's talking to them in Spanish, in French, English, Portuguese, Chinese, you name it. And once the tourist talks back to the fake tour guide, he will tell you, I can show you the terrace of the Kutubia. I can take you all the way up to the terrace for the Kutubia mosque, and you can see the whole city of Marrakesh from above. Just imagine that. It's a beautiful, beautiful view. It's an incredible view. He will also wave at his accomplices from a distance. He has his friends far away. And then they'll wave back and you'll see it. And again, as a body language, it confirms what the fake tour guide just told you to be true. Once you agree, he will tell you, this is not the right time to visit. And his friend will come back later to open the door for everyone to go to the terrace. But for now, let me show you some nice places you can see at the market, then starts pushing you to buy all type of things from the markets, from the bazaars, from the stores, because again, that's how you get paid from those stores, by bringing them customers. If you refuse, then he'll say something like this. Hey, I worked, you got to pay me. You know, I did this and I did that, and you got to pay me for my work or buy something. So to avoid this scam, don't go anywhere with anyone. It's really simple. And that's the way that I would do. To prevent this scam, it can cost you. Just don't trust anyone. Don't follow anyone. And another scenario goes like this. Some tourists, when they arrive to Morocco, they want to know about the original inhabitants of Morocco, the Berbers. So the fake tour guide will tell them, I will take you to the Berber market. By the way, there's no such a thing. A market is a market. Now, 
the tourist is so excited going through the maze of the souks for a few minutes, they find themselves a large bazaar half lit somewhere far from where they started. The factor guy already has an arrangement with the bazaar owner. So what happens next is they will close all the doors. Now, can you imagine what's going on through their minds? Whether it's a solo traveler, a female traveler, none of us want to be in that situation. Suddenly, the workers of that bazaar will start to lay down all types of carpet for the travelers to choose from. Eventually, they will end up buying more than what they cared for. This scam is easily avoided by talking to no one. Again, trusting no one. If somebody's approaching you, they're approaching you because there's something in it for them, not for you. A third scenario goes like this, and it's called the layman scam. Close your eyes and imagine the warm desert breeze kissing your skin as you wander through the narrow streets of Marrakesh. Feel the excitement as you lose yourself to the vibrant colors of the souks, where every corner holds a treasure waiting to be discovered. Experience the thrill of adventure as you traverse the majestic Sahara Desert on a camelback, with nothing but endless dunes stretching before you. Experience Morocco. Feel alive. Get 15% off all small group tours. Visit our website, destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. Use the word 15 as a discount code at checkout and reserve your spot today. This is a fake tour guide acting like a regular person, minding his business, pushing his bicycle, passing by a couple, a solo traveler, or a couple of female travelers. When the tourists look at him, they don't suspect anything. He's just like passing by and has good intentions. He overhears their conversation, then offers them help. And by the way, the bicycle is just a decoy. A few moments later, he's taking them to supposedly their destination not realizing he's getting them away from the crowds and from busy streets to an isolated and empty alley. Also, getting them farther and farther from where they have originally met. By the time the tourists realize this, it's already too late and must pay again or buy something. There's no way for them to get out of the situation except paying. And the payment, it's not in the few dollars, it's in the hundreds of dollars. And again, your safety is very important. Trust no one. Don't trust anyone. Don't talk to strangers. I mean, there's a lot of good people, but I would still, just to be on the safe side, stay away. And another scenario, uh, and this is by far, this is getting a lot worse, by the way. This is the big one. This is the scariest of them all. And it goes like this. I really want to talk about the surrounding area of Madrasat bin Yusuf. Madrasat bin Yusuf is an essential historical site that dates back to the 12th century. And it's a must-see and visit when you go to Morocco. In my opinion, your visit to Morocco or Marrakesh is incomplete if you do not go to Madrasat bin Yusuf. But at the same time, it is one of the worst 
places in terms of hassling and scamming tourists because of its location. It's pretty bad location because of poverty. So this scam also involves unfortunately fake tour guides working either alone or most likely in a group of three to four people. Some tourists don't know their way or seem to be lost or hesitant to ask about directions. So a fake tour guide sees this and again, reading the tourist's body language. They'll size you up and they'll ask you nicely if they can offer you some help. And again, body language is very important. The way they are paying attention to your body language, pay attention to their body language. If somebody is too friendly, chances are he's not friendly at all. So a tourist will say, sure, I'm looking for Madrasat bin Yusuf. So the fake tour guide will say, go straight this way. And he'll send you the wrong direction, but you don't know it. Then he'll tell you uh, he's going to call his friend, his accomplice, who's just around the corner and say, hey, I'm sending you a tourist on your way if you can put him out to the right direction. So then when you get to the guide, the second guide, he'll do the same thing to you until the tourist finds himself arriving at Babdbar tanneries. This is nightmarish. When you get to the tannery, that neighborhood in itself is a mess. I, I know exactly where it is. I pass by it all the time. And there's no way for you to know where you're at, which direction, the north, the south, the west, the east, once you're at those tanneries. So you're stuck. And the only way for you to get out is by buying something. And you are really, really at their mercy. So anything goes. And by far, that's the worst. And it will cost you the most money because that's a terrible neighborhood. So I just want to do a little bit of a recap. We have covered quite a bit of scams today. From the time you set your foot at the airport, from the time you arrive at the airport, people will try and they will scam you until the time that you live in the airport. Yes, scams are part of the hassle of Barcelona, Marrakesh and Morocco. So why do people create scams or scam you? Do they have trouble finding regular jobs? Are they trying to be creative? Or maybe it's all they know how to do. In my opinion, it's really a combination of things. It's easy money. They are creative and they have to be creative to stay out of the curve and stay two steps ahead of the tourists. There are regular jobs that they can find, but they don't like the commitment to the schedule. 8 to 12, then a break, then go back to work 2 to 6 p.m. That's how the schedule in Morocco versus the U.S. And also probably they have gotten into scamming at a really younger age, you know, through either a friend or a family member and showing them the ropes and how to do it. And they became really good at it and they make so much easy money doing it. They don't want to go through the hassle and bustle of, you know, taking the test and getting the badge and doing everything the right way. And again, probably for them is also the rush of scamming somebody, of just being ahead of somebody, thinking two steps ahead of somebody. So that's probably, in my opinion, that's how I see it. Most of these scams can easily be prevented by doing some homework and research. We cannot cover all scams in one episode, but we will talk about them for sure in future episodes. Most of these scams I talked about today actually happened to me. The one at the airport, coming, I leave in the airport. The taxi from the airport to my destination. The rental car. Yes, the rental car, it happened to me with the insurance. 
and it happened to me with the scams. And I actually, I actually rented the car through Hertz, by the way. So the mirror is broke, happened to me. I don't have the correct change, happened to me. The snake charmers happened. Well, this one actually I paid willingly because I just want to take pictures and videos. And I give the guy 50 dirhams, but my friends say, hey man, that's too much. You should have given him 20 dirhams. And again, it's the red color bill. That's what's going to save you and save you a lot of money. The monkey scam actually happened to my son, my wife, and her sisters. They thought it was funny, but to my son, it was not funny. It was kind of painful, but it was fun at the end. So some scams, they're not bad, but the dangerous ones are the ones that are involving getting in the car with somebody, going to a completely different and a strange city. Well, the whole country for you is strange, but do not get into any of those excursions. Do not follow anybody telling you, I'll show you the directions. They will take you the wrong way. They'll show you the wrong directions and they'll take advantage of you. In Marrakesh, this is what I do. Anywhere I go, I have somebody going with me. I don't go by myself because I know I'm going to get scammed. In most cases, I don't really mind it. It doesn't bother me. I'm kind of expecting it, but it's just, I feel comfortable that way. In Marrakesh, if I want to visit the square, I don't go during the day unless if I want to go shopping because it's empty. They'll give you good prices and it's easy going. The other thing, if you want to see the square becomes alive, I go about 45 minutes before the sundown. There's a cafe called Cafe France. That's my favorite spot to go. And then I go to the terrace. Normally when you go, there's a wait time. Sometimes it's depending on the season, maybe 45 minutes, maybe an hour wait, just for somebody to get up and leave their table. And that's what I would do. Just go and watch for somebody to get up and leave. So when they do, I just sit in that table and it becomes mine. Then I just look, you know, take pictures, videos, and just enjoy it. So you can do the same. You know, do that way and see the hustle and bustle of the streets, the souk, the market, the flames, the smell, everything. Morocco is a great tourist destination. The country has much more to offer visitors. Great food, beautiful and diverse landscapes are few reasons travelers fall in love with Morocco. If you make it to Marrakesh, enjoy the sights, colors, the smells, and sounds. And do what Andrew Zimmer said when he visited Marrakesh. If it smells good, just eat it. Join us on our next episode as we talk about the Blue Pearl of Morocco, Shifshawan. Founded in the 15th century as a small fortress, how did it get its name, the story behind its washed blue colors, a brief history with a national tour guide and a Riyadh owner, Abdesalam Muddin. I'm so excited to be here to help you with all your travel needs to Morocco. This has been episode number four, and we're just getting warmed up. Thanks for joining us this week on the Destination Morocco podcast. Our dedicated show website, destinationmoroccopodcast.com, is where you can find all of our episodes, leave a review, find our social media links, and even register as a guest. If you have been to Morocco yourself and would love to share a story, advice, or recommendations, you're welcome to participate in our podcast. Whether it's a five-minute story or a full conversation, 
we will guide you through the steps so that you can share your experience with our listeners. We will be back soon enough with a new episode for you as we continue our exploration of the beautiful country of Morocco. See you then. You have traveled the world, but Morocco's allure beckons you. Destination Morocco is here to create the perfect once-in-a-lifetime Moroccan journey, tailored exclusively to your desires. Let us craft an itinerary that unlocks the secrets of this mesmerizing land just for you. For a luxurious, bespoke Moroccan adventure of a lifetime, visit destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. And let us turn your dreams into reality. Your amazing Moroccan experience awaits.